This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Dude, how nice is it? That it's just been you and I the last few episodes. I really enjoyed it. I like having guests. We'll get back to having some guests really soon. But mm-hmm. I enjoy having these conversations, especially with the direction some of these conversations have been taking. Mm-hmm. It's not just minimalism, although that's certainly a component of all of these discussions, these conversations, these podcast episodes mm-hmm. we're having. It's intentional living. It's simple living. But it's about understanding and, and getting a deeper understanding. And today... Yeah. We want to invite you to unsubscribe and unfollow yeah. anything that doesn't bring tranquility or increase your well-being. Now, Ryan, we just yeah. had this essay that hit our website. I thought I'd read a bit from this essay. It is called The Great Unsubscribe. I and love it. You and I can have a, a conversation about this. It starts like this. A decade ago, shortly after starting our website, we published an essay that invited our audience to unfollow the minimalists. Why? Because we want to add value to your life, not digital clutter to your screens. And it's also because we're minimalists. Yes. (laughs) We wanted to minimize our audience as much as possible. And the funny thing is we had a really tiny audience back then. Right. And so we're kind of doing it again. The essay goes on to say, so please unsubscribe if our work no longer serves you. Mm. Naturally, this philosophy extends beyond the minimalists. Clinging to media that disrupts one's tranquility, be it a TV show, magazine, newsletter, or influencer account, is a vacuous endeavor. That was in quotes. Influencer? Yes. Yeah. Over the past 10 years, the minimalists have continued to ask people to walk away from our blog, podcast, and social media if it stops advancing their well-being. But we're taking it one step further this month. This is a little... This makes me a little nervous, and I generally don't get nervous to do this, but that nervousness is an attachment. It's exposing an attachment of mine. Mm. So I thought maybe we could talk about this, Ryan. But the essay goes on to say, Today, we are removing more than 100,000 people from our email newsletter. And, and you're not, wow. It's not you opting out. It's us opting you out. Uh, so anyone who has not opened one of our emails in the last month will be 30 gone. days. Yeah. Man, that is... Um that's a pretty strict boundary, right? But we are all about boundaries. Yes. Um, what if? Uh, uh, I guess there's a bunch of what ifs, isn't there? Thirty uh, days sounds good. I love that. There is a bunch of what ifs, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, uh, Jeff, who is our developer, he, he and I were looking at this and, and sort of just identifying, and we're actually going to start with a little bit wider net and, and close into this thirty day. Um, area in which we're, and it's more than a hundred thousand people, but it mm. just tells me like, if you haven't opened up an email of ours in the last month, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. No. 
But A, why are you and I paying to, to send emails to that person in the first place? But then also, forget that. Mm. Why am I cluttering their inbox? I, I, I'm doing the opposite mm. of what you and I set out to do. Right. It's certainly not adding value if you're not opening anything. Now, At that if, point, it's kind of like unintentional spam. Yes. <laughs> now, if we accidentally unsubscribed you, you can always resubscribe. Yeah. Or if you even unsubscribe yourself, you can resubscribe in the future if you decide, hey, you know what? I, I missed that thing. It was adding value to my life, etc. Nothing if, is final in the blog life. Hey, I thought I'd butt in real quick and talk about this, add some clarity there are some folks we may have accidentally unsubscribed you and you didn't want us to unsubscribe you from the list. Now, you'll know if that is you because you received an email that lets you know you've been unsubscribed. If that was done by mistake, if you are indeed finding value from our emails, simply head on over to theminimalists.com and resubscribe. We won't unsubscribe you again. And I think it's worth noting that we're not using your data or your email for anything. We certainly wouldn't give your information or, God forbid, sell your information to anyone. What we did is we just checked to see whether or not you've opened an email of ours recently. Now, some people might have some sort of filter that doesn't tell us whether or not you did, so we may have inadvertently removed you from the email list. But if we did, you received an email about that as well. If you'd like to resubscribe, you can certainly do so, but please do so if and only if you find value in what we're creating and what we're podcasting about and what we're writing about. It's 100% free to be on that email list, but we do not want to clutter your inbox. So if you'd like, resubscribe at theminimalists.com and enjoy a little bit more of less. If there was a simple way to carry this out on social media or our podcast, we would do it there too. This great unsubscribe will free up space to produce meaningful creations for the people who desire to explore the benefit of living with less without yearning for the approval of the uninterested ma masses. You see, while it might seem impressive to have millions of readers, listeners, followers, and subscribers, it was never about the numbers. By the way, that's the, the one line that stands out most. That's the the key takeaway from this whole thing is mm. it was never about the numbers. Yeah. It has always been about creating and understanding, creating something genuine, understanding the truth. Everything else is excess. So feel free to unfollow the minimalists or stick around if you benefit from our words. But if we cease adding value, please remember peace is just and unfollow away. That's a great last line. Why, thank you. So I think that the thing that I want to illustrate here, and on the Maximal episode this week, Ryan, we are going to talk about peace and tranquility and what exactly that means. In fact, we'll even be discussing that a bit here on this minimal episode. But I had some follow-up from last week, Ryan. We did uh, a Maximal episode on the private podcast mm -hmm. about the broken news oh, yeah. last week. Oh, and man. I've actually... Stopped looking at the news uh, a couple days ago. It, okay. wasn't, it wasn't the day after we did that podcast, but, oh, man, it's unbelievable how much more peaceful life is without the news. Without the misery, in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. and, and without the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, without all the conflict, introducing mm -hmm. unnecessary conflict into our life. In fact, during the lightning round today, Ryan, I do want to talk to you about conflict. For those of you who need to catch up, you can go back and listen to that two-hour conversation. Ryan 
interviewed me on our private podcast. Mm. We did about an hour on the news and the media and sort of how we're unfollowing certain things. And then we did another hour on hidden clutter and let our audience weigh in on some some clutter stuff. Well, you know, it was after the insurrection that I got like really stuck on the the bad news. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking like, man, Josh is... I bet he's so tranquil right now, like not looking at the news. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to have a conversation with you about not looking at the news, but then I was like, oh, we should save that for the podcast because I know I'm not the only one who was like struggling with that. So it was a great conversation. I'm glad we did it. And hopefully, uh, you know, people were able to have a different perspective on, on the media that they take in. One thing I can tell you is I did leave a few things out because we were talking about some of the things I unsubscribed. I, in fact, gave a list of all the things that I unsubscribed from mm-hmm. in terms of the news. But there were other things that are sort of news adjacent mm-hmm. that I also unsubscribed from. So really, this episode, we're calling it the unfollowing. I unfollowed a bunch of people on social media. It, it was nothing against them personally, mm-hmm. but they were not aiding my tranquility. In fact, they were, they, they were getting in the way. They were sharing certain things mm. that interfered with my tranquility. I didn't take it personally. (laughs) (laughs) I'd never unfollow you, Ryan. (laughs) What did we say last week about, you know, it's hard to look at someone and say, I'd rather be happy than have you in my life, but maybe even to take it a step further, what you were, you know, well, that's basically, basically what you were saying, but to take it a step further, you can look at someone else and be like, I'd rather you be happy mm-hmm. than me in your life. Yes. And that's really how I feel about you. Like if you did unfollow me, right. I, I would feel like, you know what? I'd rather you be unhappy than have me in your life. Well, that's a, or a, I'd rather you be happy than have me in your life. And that's a mature way to look at it be, because what you're doing is you're stepping back and not allowing the, the sort of emotion. And it's easy for us to, by the way, this is all emotion based, mm. right? All of these conversations that, that we're having here involve some sort of, emotional tug toward I'm supposed to follow this news. Mm. I am supposed to be an informed citizen. I'm supposed to um, listen to good media and weed out the bad media. Mm. These are all judgments that we don't need to thrust upon things. Mm. All, All I need to do is say, hey, there are certain Twitter feeds and social media feeds and podcasts and newsletters that are not that are interfering with my tranquility mm. and so there were, i went through all of my podcasts and unsubscribe very quickly unsubscribe cool. unsubscribe unsubscribe i did the same with a bunch of email newsletters mm. i don't know about you but sometimes it feels like every time i open my email i'm spending half of my time just unsubscribing from things that yeah. i didn't even know i signed up for yeah there are two newsletters i'm signed up for and, and i won't even tell you which two because i don't want to f- make anyone feel like they should go sign up for it's not two. a recommendation right right exactly. Yeah, so what I've realized throughout this whole process, Ryan, is everybody is suffering. We already know that. Mm. But media is only increasing the suffering. I didn't say the media. I mean media in the sense that like all of these vehicles through which information is delivered to us is increasing our misery, increasing our suffering. And why is that? It's because we're constantly chasing ephemeral bits of pleasure. And through that, we're running away from misery. But misery is much faster than we can ever run. You know, even like another perspective on it, uh, I went to to the news for answers. Like I'd get anxious, and we talked about this on that podcast, but 
It's like you go there for the ephemeral bits of happiness mm-hmm. uh, for whatever it is. But for me, it was like I thought that the news was going to give me an answer that I was seeking. Mm. And it, it never does that. Right. I and can't think of once where I have been went to the news. I'm like, oh, that's the answer I was looking for. Right. Because we're actually not looking for answers. We're looking for confirmation. Yeah. And, Ooh, yeah. and so answer is, is a dangerous thing because – we don't actually want help. The person who wants help will find the help that they want, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Even the person who, who thinks that they are seeking help is often seeking confirmation. Yeah. Can you please give me permission to do the thing I already knew was I was, I was going to do in the first place? Yeah. And I, I want to feel better about the decision I've already made. Mm. We have a question here from Jackson in Johnson City, Tennessee. I have begun starting the act of being a minimalist, and today my partner FaceTimed me, and I told her what I was getting rid of, and we had the biggest fight, and then she diagnosed me. She diagnosed me and wrote a bunch of quotes saying I need to get help, but this could be bigger than just being a minimalist. This could actually be a personality issue that is supplementing that. I just thought I was torn between two worlds, one person trying to diagnose me, and then one heavy influence that I've been getting um, from the podcast for months. Uh, I just want to see what you guys think. Personality disorder, minimalism, is there anything that is connected? So I hear this word disorder, right? Mm. The world is disorder. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not the natural state, by the way. Yeah. But the world, for the last 12,000 years, has been uh, approaching increasing levels of disorder ever since we sort of form civilizations we have relied on other people's perspective for order right Mm -hmm. and so i would say that yeah we all have personality disorders and if you're asking me to diagnose you with something uh, i obviously can't do that i'm not qualified to do that but i will say i'll diagnose everyone with a personality disorder of some sort yeah meaning we Whenever we approach something, we are doing so from a perspective of society, of culture. And culture always leads to chaos. Mm. And so it's the news stuff we were talking about last week, or it is the newsletters that are showing up in your inbox, or it's the people who are tweeting at you, or it's whatever we are seeking out. There's going to be bits of chaos just interwoven throughout society the disorder is already there Mm. and minimalism jackson is a way for us to find some order in our lives i say find because it's really uncovering the order the order Mm. that exists it's the order of of nature it's the natural order we even hear that phrase right Mm. anything that disrupts nature then is disorder Mm. and so we we use these terms disease chaos it's all the the, it's all the same fabric though and and so minimalism is not a way for it's not a a destination that we're going to it's a tool that we use to clear that clutter to make the order you can't organize your way (laughs) to order right you can have a really cluttered house that is organized Mm -hmm. but that's not order it's simply orderly i like how you said find some 
order. Because, mm. you know, just reiterating what you said about minimalism not being a destination. So it's not about, well, if you're having any troubles in your life, any disorder, become a minimalist and you're going to find all the order. Right. It just helps you filter through a lot of the noise. Mm-hmm. I really wish Jackson would have told us what he was getting rid of that caused this argument. Because mm-hmm. if it was like an antique vase, you know, I mean, that's his girlfriend's projecting. Yeah. If it's his head, well, that's a problem. Right. He might have a disorder if he yeah. wants to minimize his head. So uh, obviously he does want to minimize his head. But it is interesting how when we start to find some order, especially through something like minimalism, because it's such a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it is, I'm looking for an adjective. It is a very like um, disruptive word. Yeah. And it's a disruptive lifestyle because it's disrupting the chaos. Right. And whenever we do that in our lives, especially, uh, you know, we'll hear this from people who are experiencing a lot of disorder themselves. Mm -hmm. They start to project judgment and, you know, really his girlfriend is what she's saying. She's not saying, Jackson, you have a disorder. What she's saying is, is if I was in your shoes Mm -hmm. and if I started to think about getting rid of whatever it is that he was thinking about getting rid of, there would be something wrong with me. Therefore, there must be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult, especially when it's our our partner, um, to, uh, to not take that personally and to not actually have this question like, is there something wrong with me? I mean, I remember, you know, when we were working in our corporate jobs and people were asking me if you were thinking about killing yourself because i was getting rid of stuff it was the same thing yeah what disorder does he have right and i'm like yeah josh has been thinking about killing himself for years i don't think he's actually going to do it though (laughs) this is how i can prevent (laughs) me from killing myself right Right. um yeah what's fascinating about that is i I, the projection thing is spot on ryan and and especially that right or wrong thing Mm. what what she may be doing Again, I, it, you're right. It does depend on what those items are because if you got rid of all of her stuff... That's a problem. That is a problem. <laughs> I'm becoming a minimalist and I decided I'm getting rid of all your things. <laughs> yep. Hey, honey, we're minimalists now. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my stuff? Actually, you're a minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we want to be careful with that, making sure that it is is my stuff that I am getting rid of. I'm not thrusting this upon someone else. And at the same time, it's it's important to realize that when she's projecting that onto you, she is also creating a moralizing stance of right or wrong. Yeah. A- and my way of living is right or correct. Mm-hmm. And your way of your new way of living is is wrong or right. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this, hope you don't get upset about it, but no hope involved here, really. Jackson, your path is not the right path either. The path of minimalism is not the right path. Right. And her path is not the wrong path and vice versa. Mm-hmm. The question is, what is appropriate and what, what are the outcomes that mm-hmm. you're seeking? What are you seeking, mm-hmm. right? Are you seeking peace? Are you seeking tranquility? Mm. Then, well, removing some of that chaos will get us closer to that. We're uncovering the peace mm. as opposed to finding it, chasing. You can't chase peace. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I look at getting rid of stuff, that's the, that's the initial bite at the apple. But it also means that you're going to start looking inward and simplifying the relational clutter, the career clutter, 
the existential angst clutter, mm-hmm. all of these these additional clutters that go way beyond the stuff, they manifest in those material possessions. Mm-hmm. And that can cause, I think it can cause initially some additional chaos up front because when, you're, when you start to see this kind of truth for what it is, you, you realize like, oh, mm. the last 30 years I've been living a lie. Mm. And it wasn't a lie in the sense that like I was intentionally doing something quote unquote wrong. It was a lie in the sense that I didn't know the truth. Mm. And it, it only continues to be a lie if I continue to go down that path knowing that it is inappropriate for me. Yeah. You know, one thing I'll throw out here too for Jackson is when you have a romantic partner in your life, um, your decisions affect that person. So I know with Mariah and I, she might say something or have an idea to do something. Like I'm thinking about, she had brought up, I forget what it was, but you know, there are things that like, as soon as she brings it up, I'm, I have this like visceral feeling of like, well, that's not practical. That doesn't make any sense. And, and like, and I automatically push against her. Yes. Um, and as soon as I catch myself actually creating a problem when there wasn't a problem, mm. I will take a step back and I will start to try and work with her mm-hmm. and try and meet in the middle somewhere. So uh, I'm not saying that, you know, Jackson has to do what his partner says, but when you have even a business partner with you and I, I mean, we have to consider each other's perspectives and, um, uh, you know, our, um, tastes and there's another word I'm looking for that I can't think of right now, but yeah, preferences. Exactly. So that is, it's, it's important. If you want your girl to respect your preferences, you're going to have to respect her preferences. And sometimes that takes a really difficult conversation. Um, but I'm just throwing that out there for Jackson to, you know, hopefully help him avoid, uh, these arguments in the future. Jackson, I'd love to send you a copy of our new book. And I say new, it's not even out yet, but it's called Love People Use Things. Sean, if you put him on the list, there's an entire chapter in there about our relationship with people. It's a relationship book. It goes beyond the stuff. In fact, it starts with our relationship with the stuff, but it's about the seven essential relationships in our life. One of those relationships is with our stuff. One of them is with the truth. One of them is with our self, so forth and so on. The very last chapter in the book is about our relationship with people. I think you'll find value in Love People Use Things. If you want to pre-order it, it helps us out a lot. LovePeopleUseThings.net is the place that you can pre-order it. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those texts go to both of our phones. Now, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer every question with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And, oh, by the way, you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place now, minimalmaxims.com. Marianne has a question for us. We can't impose tranquility on the world around us. So how do we adjust our internal settings to maintain inner tranquility. I, I, the reason I like this question is because it's very honest and it exposes a truth here about tranquility. So here is, I'm going to give you a pithy answer. I actually have three pithy answers for you here. But my first one is imposed peace always leads to conflict. 
And that's the thing that we often try to do, especially in a relationship with others, mm. is I, I'm going to force you to be peaceful. Yeah. I'm going to force anything on, onto you, persuade you, coerce you. That does not work. In fact, it accomplishes the opposite, Ryan. Yeah. If I tie you down and say, be peaceful, that's like me telling you to be in the moment. Yeah. It sounds good, I guess. Maybe. But yeah. living in the moment isn't good or bad anyway. It simply is. And we either are living in the moment or we are living for the future or the past, which is where most of us spend our time living. And so you're talking about imposing tranquility. Yes, an imposed peace always leads to conflict. So how do we adjust our internal settings to maintain inner tranquility? Well, I will say this. Here's my other pithy answer for you. All conflict arises from within. Mm. There is no such thing as external conflict. It may feel that way. Someone does something to you, but they do something to you only insofar as you allow that thing to be done to you, the mm. insult or whatever. In fact, I wanted to read a, uh, an excerpt from Direct Truth. It's uh, Kapil Gupta's book, and I thought this was pr a perfect answer to this question for Marianne. And it, this chapter is titled, Why do I get angry when I am insulted? Mm. Do you get angry when you're insulted? If someone says something snide to you on social media? Sometimes. Sometimes I get, def I I get defensive too. more than insulted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so. Well, so maybe not externally defensive, but I start to feel defensive. So yeah. when someone insults you, do you get defensive? And you would say yes to that, right? Yeah. I don't know if I like voice my defensiveness. I try not to, but it, the visceral feeling is definitely like a, a defense. It's an internal feeling too, right? It's, yeah. It doesn't exist in the real world. It's simply something that has arisen within you, right? Yeah. So this is this chapter in this book. In fact, this entire book, which I read in a single sitting and then reread it the next day. A phenomenal book. We'll put a link to it in the show notes called Direct Truth by Kapil Gupta. And... The, it's written as a Q&A, right? Mm. So it's question, answer, question, answer, right? Like it's, a, it's like a student and a master sort of having a conversation together, right? And so I'll start with the question and then I'll use a slightly different voice for the answer. Why do I get angry when I'm insulted? Because you entertain the verity of the insult. How so? How not so? If someone calls me stupid, it does not mean that I'm stupid nor does it mean that you are not. But I don't believe myself to be stupid. Then anger would not arise within you. Anger arises within me because they unjustly accuse me of being stupid. I see. You don't agree? I understand that you would like me to agree. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know. I have already answered you, but my answer was not to your liking. But... I don't think of myself as stupid. I understand. <laughs> you don't believe me? I do not need your assistance in seeing the truth. Do you believe me that I think, do you believe that I think I am stupid? This question does not interest me. <laughs> then how are you able to answer my question? I have already answered it. <laughs> There's a parenthesis here. This woman walked away in anger, then returned two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a legit conversation. It's, that yeah, one of his uh, clients. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, would you like me to tell you what I, why I've returned? If you wish. I realized something. 
I was getting angry about you not believing me when I said I didn't think I was stupid. The fact that this made me angry ironically <laughs> illustrated the very point that you were trying to make. Am I correct? Am I correct? Yes. I apologize for my foolishness. I am now ready to hear your answer. <laughs> I have already given you my answer. Which is to say that if I become angry at being called stupid, I believe myself to be stupid? I wonder if you might expand upon this for me. If someone calls you a bird, would you become angry? No. Why not? Because being called a bird is not an insult. Very well. If someone were to call you a bird that was too stupid to flap its wings, would this make you angry? No. Why not? Because it isn't true at all. Yet, when you are called stupid, it makes you angry. Because something within you entertains the possibility that you might, in fact, be stupid. Then something else within you grows irritated by the idea that you might be. This internal conflict manifests itself as anger. I see. So... If not a single iota of a belief about being stupid existed within me, then anger would not arise? That is correct. Mm. That's good, man. There's like a, it's funny because, the, and I don't know if that's in what you just read, but there is the truth that when someone calls you stupid and you start to get def- and I start to get defensive, I'll put it on me, someone calls you stupid, I start to get defensive. It's for, for me, it's one or two reasons. It's Either a piece of me thinks that maybe I am stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for some reason, there's another piece of me that feels misunderstood. Yes. And that I'm doing something to make people think that I'm stupid. Right. Which, is, which are both in the ego. Uh-huh. But it's interesting how sometimes the defense mechanism comes up out of fear of people believing something that isn't true. Right. It's the, the bird analogy there, right? Right. Like, why do people think I'm a bird? Yeah. If I'm if not I, a bird. If I were to say, Ryan, the, it, I would insult you, too, by saying, your feathers are the ugliest color. Mm. You, you would just dismiss that. Right. A- and yet, and I misunderstand you. Mm-hmm. I clearly misunderstand you. I mean, it's a yeah. fundamental misunderstanding of who and what you are. Yeah. But you're not insulted by that at all. No. Although maybe like I take it to a metaphorical sense. What does he mean by feathers? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's, here's one more pithy answer for you. We can put this in the show notes. If one has a deep enough desire to eliminate conflict, they will remove anything that produces that conflict. Mm. And that was really the start of this conversation, Ryan. Even last week when we were talking about the news and removing things, it's not about what you should do. I don't have a prescription in terms of, well, here are the things that you should subscribe to and not subscribe to. It is simply that if there's something that is creating conflict, then, and you have a sincere desire, a deep desire to eliminate conflict, it's not to say you should have a desire to eliminate. By the way, most people don't have that desire at all. In fact, the opposite is true. Have you been mm-hmm. in a relationship before, Ryan, where bickering was sort of the the order of the day? Yeah. Where it's ha- it was the the way that in, in which you communicated with each other? Mm. Mm-hmm. Me too. And yeah. and I 
I realized that in parenting, that was something that I was doing as well. I was bickering with my daughter mm. as a po- and I was creating unnecessary conflict in her and in me, right? All self- Kapil would say all conflict is self-conflict. I just sort of reworked that to say it, it rises from within. Mm. But, but when I look at, at that type of conflict that I'm creating, I also realize that if I don't want that conflict, then I should certainly rem- th- then it makes sense for me to remove anything that is producing the conflict. Right. That's minimalism, right? It started with the stuff. It was creating this terrible conflict in my life. Mm. But it, understanding that led to the action. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't the, oh, I picked up a book on decluttering and it, I learned these seven steps and now I've removed the conflict from my life. No. It was about understanding that conflict. Then all the action sort of happens on its own after that. Yeah. You can get some tips or whatever that help with the sort of mechanics of decluttering. That's not a problem at all. Sure. But the decluttering alone will not bring you tranquility. Tweet that podcast, Sean. That's right. Uh, my pithy answer, I actually got, I just thought of another one. My first one is tranquility is not a destination. So important to recognize that. And what I mean by that is it's the same thing with minimalism. It's the same thing with happiness. I mean, these are tranquility, I believe, is ephemeral. And as you were talking, I was kind of in my own little thought of like, why is tranquility ephemeral? Like, is it possible to live in this state of nirvana? And it is. But like when I think of people who have reached that state, Mm -hmm. they really don't spend a lot of time around other people. No. By the way, they can't. That's a whole different conversation. Right. But but one of the greatest uh, lies that we've we've been told is that like our happiness or joy is going to come from other people. Mm. No, no, no. Uh, what, what's the old the saying? Other people are hell. Mm. Like there there is something to that. Yeah. But it made me think about like uh, yeah, other people are hell. Made, made me think of like uh, you ever heard of the term bodhisattva, where it's like um, basically it's someone who has discovered how to reach nirvana but they postpone it out of the, you know, the valiant uh, feeling of wanting to help others to reach nirvana themselves. Mm. So it's, I'm not sure how much, you know, I'm like bought into that term, but um, I do understand that like to really reach a constant state of tranquility, you can't be around a lot of other people. So tranquility is not a destination. And then the other thing I thought of, you know, Buddha talks about how uh, life is suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, I could append that and say life is conflict. Mm-hmm. And it is. Life is conflict. Right. And, and all conflict, as Kapil says, is, is self-conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so once we recognize that for what it is, that all these conflicts are arising within me. Yeah. It's not the news <laughs> that made me miserable, Yeah, right? It is simply a trigger for misery to arise. And so by removing those things that are, that are triggering the misery, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I, I have less co- uh, conflict as a consequence. Yeah. All right, Ryan, before we get to our listener comments and our added value segment today, it looks like we've got a bunch more surprise questions this week. Like, how can I balance tranquility and kids? Mm. What advice would you give to someone who is a tech enthusiast and wants to be a minimalist? Ooh, that's a, that's a, in a roundabout way, that is a tranquility question, right? Yeah. Because tech often disrupts our peace. Mm. How do you go about reducing stress and promoting tranquility 
with work life. Plus a million more questions about peace and tranquility for The Minimalist. And if you want to hear all that, listen to The Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. If you enjoy our show and want to support The Minimalist, this is the only way our podcast earns money. So come on, it's cheaper than a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. and it keeps our show. 100% advertisement-free. Plus, private podcast subscribers also gain access to hundreds of hours of archives. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, this is Brooke from New Brighton. I was calling in response to episode 133, Constraints. I'm responding to Derek's question about wanting to travel more, but feeling constraints since he shares custody of his daughter. Josh had mentioned on the podcast how he found a school that was more flexible with Ella's absences. My suggestion for Derek is to look into cyber charter schools. There are many cyber schools um, for kindergarten through 12th grade now um, that are either within a state or or a few that are countrywide. I think that is something worth looking into and might provide him the flexibility um, or opportunity to travel or even take his daughter with him in that case. Um, I actually work for a cyber school in Pennsylvania and love it. I think it is a great option, and it provides me with flexibility I never thought was possible with a profession in teaching, but I also see um, the view as a teacher and how it provides a lot of flexibility um, for students, and they have opportunity to travel and do other things that otherwise wouldn't be possible. Hello, minimalist. My name is Malia, and I live in Victorville, which is a small city in California. I just wanted to help everyone out there and let them know that if you hate daily planners and you feel like it's a clutter bug and you don't like it and it's too restrictive for you, I would like to suggest a bullet journal. You can look it up on Pinterest or online. I find that Pinterest keeps me the most creative. But it helps you plan out your day and use blank pages to your best interest. And so I can write whatever I want on any page and still plan out my week, my meals, my grocery list. And it puts everything that I want, all of the lists, all of the little notes, all of, you know, the sticky notes that I would keep around my house. It keeps them all in one place. And having one book for everything because it's a blank page book and you get to write it in. Not only keeps me creative, but keeps me organized. So for everyone out there who's trying to be more intentional, but you take a lot of notes, use a bullet journal. All right, y'all, for our added value segment this week, let's listen to a song at the end of this episode. It's called Busy, and it's by the band We, which is spelled V-V-E. This is from the soundtrack to our film, Less Is Now. Man, they nailed it. They nailed the whole soundtrack. Such a good job, yeah. Yeah, it's not our soundtrack. We simply licensed it from them. Now, Ryan, the the band is called We, although, so Nate and Drew are the two guys who formed the band just for us. They did the music for our first film, Minimalism, and now they've done the, the music for this newest film on Netflix. And they put out a music video for the song Busy. It's so, so good. You've got to check it out because it really illustrates how absurd busyness is oh dude i can't wait to see they've, it. they've perfectly illustrated now the band itself the name is we spelled yeah. vve except i just recognize that drew calls it we yeah. and nate calls it vve 
Oh, really? And so the two guys in the band say it differently. And people <laughs> often ask me, is it pronounced VVE or we? And I guess the answer to that is whatever you want. I'm going to start yes. calling it V. <laughs> v <laughs> drawing out the V wrong <laughs> you're like it could be any way you want except that way <laughs> no I, I so uh yeah I, I call it we because I think Drew is the one who actually came up with the name mm. so um it, he just wanted a creative way because it is about a we right a, this collective that came together to make we made this music basically is yeah. uh, was was the sort of idea behind it anyway the song is called busy and it per the song itself which you'll hear in a moment perfectly illustrates the absurdity of how we just fill our days with we inundate our days with nonsense mm. and you really see it in the music video and it made me just recognize how often do i do that how often do i do with that even now when i'm supposedly living intentionally mm. these are all the things that are what disrupting my tranquility hmm. and so perhaps since we're talking about unfollowing i need to unfollow it would make sense for me if if if, con if re reducing conflict is the objective here mm -hmm. then it makes sense for me to unfollow some of these practices of of my past mm. real quick for right here right now here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist we have a lot of new listeners right now did you know that you can tour our homes theminimalistscom slash resources you can find a bunch of free resources there including two video tours for ryan's home my home you can see who's more minimalist you'll never guess what my favorite item is <laughs> <laughs> click here to find out <laughs> if, you're, if you're interested in, in seeing the sort of visuals behind our homes, theminimalists.com slash resources. You can find a bunch of other free resources there as well. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. That's also where you can unfollow The Minimalists. Come see one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode, youtube.com slash The Minimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. Unsubscribe anytime you'd like. Uh, you'll also receive our simple Sunday emails. We send those out, it's just writings about minimalism and intentional living. And if you leave here today with one message, let it be this. Love people and use things. Because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.